Hello, everyone, and welcome to Heads Up, the weekly podcast of the National Headache Foundation. I'm Dr. Lindsay Weitzel, migraine strategist, founder of the Facebook group Migraine Nation and chronic daily migraine survivor. I am here with Dr. Vincent Martin, MD. He is the director of the Headache and Facial Pain Center at the University of Cincinnati, and he is also the president of the National Headache Foundation. Hi, Dr. Martin. How are you this evening? Doing great. All right. Our topic today is really exciting. It's one that we haven't addressed too much yet, and we are really excited to get going on it. We are going to talk about cluster headache today. Um, So cluster headache is a rare condition. It only affects about 0.1% of the population, but it is known as one of the most excruciating pains known to man. In fact, a few weeks ago at the American Headache Society meeting, some survey data was presented that said that people rated their cluster headache pain as more painful than labor pain, uh, pain from gunshot wounds, pain from stab wounds, pain from myocardial infarction, pain from bone fractures, just to name a few things. So this is something that we really want to pay attention to, to address it. And for people that don't have it, it's important that people understand it. So let's start off this podcast. Um, Can you describe to us, Dr. Martin, what cluster headaches are, or at the very least, uh, how people who get them describe them? Well, cluster headaches are one of the most severe forms of pain that anyone can possibly experience. So they're a very, very important headache type. They have a very characteristic location in most patients, although it's not true for every patient, but they most commonly occur um, behind the eye, around the eye, in the forehead and temple. So it's kind of in this location here. Mm -hmm. Tends to be a generally a 10 over 10 pain. Um, I mean, rarely people can have less severe pain, but the, the typical one is very severe pain. Right. And it also has these symptoms called cranial autonomic symptoms. These are symptoms where patients get activation of one part of their autonomic nervous system, and you can get uh, tearing the eye, you can get running of the nose, you can also get the eyelid can droop and the pupil can constrict um, as well. And the headaches um, have a characteristic duration. They're much shorter than migraines. So they last anywhere from 15 minutes up to three hours. And generally, between these attacks of cluster, the the patients are completely Mm headache-free. So you might have anywhere from one to eight of these episodes per day. I can't imagine having eight um, attacks of some of the worst pain that you can possibly experience, but it does happen in some individuals. Okay. So uh, you did list duration as something that differentiates cluster from migraine. Are there any other specific symptoms that differentiate an attack of cluster from a migraine attack? I think the biggest differentiating feature, as you just said, is is the shorter duration because migraine lasts four to 72 hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And also the fact that between attacks, the patients are virtually completely pain-free. That would be something that would be rather um, unusual um, for you know migraine that was of short duration. Right. Um, in addition, um, cluster headaches occur more commonly in men than women. Um, so if I see a male patient who will tell me, well, I'm going through these headaches and I've, I've had them for a couple months and then I had these a couple of years ago, but then I was completely pain-free between then and now, that kind of alerts my suspicion that, that, that we could be dealing with cluster. Okay. Um, I always like when we talk about cluster, I like to throw out there that um, 
not every headache that occurs with tears or with a runny nose is a cluster headache. There are specific types of migraine called migraine with cranial autonomic symptoms where some of these things can show up. So if you're wondering uh, if you have cluster or if you might have migraine and you're unsure or you haven't been evaluated, you may want to go in and talk to your healthcare provider about your symptoms because um, just because you get this tearing up or the running nose does not necessarily mean you're having a cluster headache. I think that's a very important point to make. Um, so let's go through some of the standard preventive therapies for cluster headache. What do people do when they know they have cluster what can they? What are the things they can do to help prevent them? Well, usually the, the most common preventative therapy is a medication called verapamil, mm -hmm. which is a medication that's been around since the 1970s. And you have to use it in the right uh, dosages. Um, oftentimes, you have to use higher doses of the verapamil. Um, we usually use anywhere from 240 milligrams once a day up to 240 milligrams twice a day. Okay. Some people actually exceed those doses, but you have to be really careful if you use really high doses of that because you can it can affect the um, conduction of electricity within within your heart. So verapamil is a standard therapy. The okay. other thing that we often, at least in the past, used to do was give high dose steroids, and we would um, many headache doctors just do it for like 10 or 10 or 12 days, but my experience has been if you do it that way, they might improve for the first four or five days when the prednisone is higher. And as you taper it down, mm. they start to get worse. So I will often give prednisone for anywhere from four to six weeks um, in a tapering regimen um, as well. So usually those that's kind of the time-honored therapy. You would put people on prednisone um, and verapamil. Now, when they respond to prednisone, they can be having uh, clusters you know, multiple times a day. And within a day or two, they're completely, uh, completely cluster-free. But okay. sometimes when you get that prednisone dose down to about 30 to 40 milligrams, there seems to be some sort of a threshold blow, which sometimes the clusters will break through. Okay. Um, there also are other meds we're using. There's a new med called galconazumab that was just recently approved uh, for cluster. It's one of the CGRP monoclonal antibodies. Mm -hmm. It's given at a different dosage than is used for migraine. It's given at 300 milligram dose, um, which are three 100 milligram um, shots every month for three months. This is only approved for what we call episodic cluster. Those are cluster attacks that last less than one year. Mm -hmm. And then there are a variety of other therapies that are, that have been used but are not super well proven. Like um, melatonin can sometimes be used at night. Other seizure medications like uh, like uh, Depakote and uh, and, uh, and gabapentin um, and topiramate have been used as well. And there have even been some rare instances where people have used uh, Botox. But I would say this is other than the galconazumab data, the new data that came out, there, there is no good randomized controlled trials um, studying uh, medications that prevent cluster headaches. So all this stuff is used off-label with the exception of galconazumab. Right. Okay, so for preventive, we have galconazumab, we have rapamil, and we have prednisone is probably the three main uh, preventive medications. So let's look at uh, acute therapies for cluster attacks. For, so you already are in an episode of cluster. Uh, what are some acute therapies that people use? Well, there are two time-honored therapies for for treating um, cluster headaches acutely. One would be oxygen therapy, but you have to use it right. You mm -hmm. have to use a non-rebreather mask and you have to get it up to between 10 and, and 15 liters per minute. 
Right. Um, and if you do that, um, that, that is highly effective in at least reducing the pain, if not completely eliminating it within a short uh, period of time. Uh, the problem with the oxygen is it's not always a practical therapy if you're at work to be hauling around an oxygen tank. Right. Um, but it certainly is a therapy that you can use in the evening, um, and when you're when you and when you're at home. Mm-hmm. Another therapy are the triptans. Uh, there are medications called sumatriptan and and others. Um, the difference between this and migraine is that because the cluster attack only lasts for a short duration that pills often don't work fast enough in, in, in many instances. I can, I, I can tell you there are some cluster patients that do think that pills help, so I can't tell you that it's 100% that they don't. But you have to use different formulations of Imitrex that tend to be faster, mm-hmm. like the nasal spray or the, or the, in, in, the shot uh, that's given um, subcutaneously. Right. So, um, so you have to use the right kind of, of, of triptan. But the problem with the triptans is that you're only, you only get – like maybe nine tablets a month, and a lot of the insurance plans will not improve, approve the quantity of triptans that would be necessary to treat cluster headaches if they're occurring very frequently. So this often becomes a fight with the insurance companies is if we're asking for you know, 30 to 60 tablets a month or 30 to 60 doses of the medication per month, mm-hmm. many times the insurance companies tend to balk and it becomes a real problem. Right. Okay, so um, and a couple other interesting things that have come out um, in cluster research, the data that I mentioned earlier that was presented recently at the American Headache Society, um, this could be interesting to parents out there. Uh, they reported that about one quarter of the respondents said their cluster headache began when they were children. Um, is this new data? Can you comment on that? Well, I... It is new data, and I think that this is a large study. It was a survey study of over a thousand patients with clusters, so that's a really large group of people mm-hmm. suggesting that often cluster headaches can begin uh, during during adolescence. Mm-hmm. And even in adult patients, where they begin, uh, they often begin at an early age, like around 21, 22 years of age. Mm-hmm. But cluster can happen; it, it it can start at any time. I've had I've had ninety year old patients with cluster. I've had seventy year old patients that uh, start having cluster. Um, so it can happen at any age. But there are a couple other things we probably should mention about cluster. One is that about ninety percent of cluster patients smoke. So there seems to be something unique about smoking that might actually trigger attacks of of cluster headache. The second thing is that alcohol can be a trigger. Uh, so if you're in a cluster attack and you and you drink alcohol. Oftentimes, that uh, can trigger um, cluster attacks. And then the third uh, characteristic that's kind of interesting is the fact that sometimes cluster can occur with clock-like regularity, which means that it can occur at exactly like 2 o'clock in the morning and 4 o'clock in the morning. In fact, sometimes patients feel that they can even like set their alarm clock by their headaches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, really the next, go ahead. Very interesting cl- um, a disorder. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the next question I was going to ask that isn't totally related to what you just said. So stop me if you're, if you weren't finished, cause that was really interesting, but I was going to, the, uh, some recent data had shown a bit of a stronger association, uh, with cluster headache running in families because that it hadn't been, um, that strongly shown before. So I was going to ask you to comment on that. If, if some people see it running in families, cause I believe it's not as strongly um, associated with a parent having cluster as, let's say, migraine. 
Yeah, in the past, we, we, we did note that there were some families in which clusters sent, seemed to run in their families, but it, these are just like, you know, brief reports in the literature. Mm-hmm. Studies suggest that it could be as high as 5 to 10% of people could have a, have a familial component to the, to the cluster attacks. And it's also possible that patients with cluster may have, be more likely to have migraines. So there could be some, some link to migraine headaches as well. I mean, just to, if you want to theorize about it, maybe, maybe some of these people have a migraine predisposition and then they smoke. And there's something about smoking that uh, causes these unique headaches that we call cluster. Mm-hmm. Just a theory. Okay. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add to our conversation on cluster headache today? Well, uh, I would say that to cluster patients that, that we hear you. We recognize that you have a very, very severe disorder. This is, a, is, is something that, that uh, severely impacts the quality of your life. And, uh, and we really would urge that more research be done in this area for this very disabling and severe headache type. Uh, um, and I, I really uh, empathize with you. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, to everyone out there, you have a good night. And we will see you next week on Heads Up, the weekly podcast of the National Headache Foundation.